Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's trying to bring you live coverage of the college equestrian postseason. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about college equestrian. Well, the conference tournaments are over and the NCEA has released their final rankings that will determine the seeds for the 2021 National Championships. So let's talk about those. Now, if you recall, I gave my final rankings in the last episode and I made some predictions about how the NCEA was probably going to um, make some changes to the rankings and mess a whole bunch of stuff up. Well, I was wrong. Somewhat. They didn't get Fresno uh, State and Baylor right, but I think they accidentally got just about everything else right. So, good job, NCEA. Now, let's run through those. This, These are their rankings, not mine. Uh, and this is how everything's going to get seeded in the National Championship Tournament in Waco next week. At number one is Auburn. Now, we all knew Auburn was going to be the number one seed, and that was no shock to anybody. At number two was another expected team, Oklahoma State. Apart from their opening season loss, uh, the Cowgirls have been perfect. They won the Big 12 tournament, so they are easily the second best uh, resume in the country. At number three, uh, this is where I gave the NCAA a lot of unearned grief. I really expected them to put SMU here, but wisdom prevailed, and they put Georgia at number three just as I did. So next, they put SMU at number four. Now, SMU did win the ECAC tournament. And I figured that that was going to be enough for the uh, league to put them ahead of Georgia, which was, you know, the SEC runner-up. But when you go back and look at SMU's schedule, their wins are not as impressive as Georgia wins. And they, because they routinely beat Texas A&M and South Carolina, two pretty good teams. So I'm actually pretty surprised that the NCAA did not make SMU number three. And I kind of secretly wonder if they did this so that the SEC runner-up would not be on the same side of the bracket as the SEC champion. Now, next at number five, they have Texas A&M. Now, here's where I'm pretty sure that they monkeyed with the rankings to get a better seed matchup. I have been higher on the Aggies than the NCEA has all season long, and even I put TCU ahead of A&M. But if they had gone and put TCU in this position, it would have created another Georgia versus Texas A&M contest on day one, and I think we've had enough of those, (laughs) at least for a little while. So I'm pretty sure that what they did was they felt like these two teams, TCU and Texas A&M, were close enough to each other that it didn't matter if they flipped them in the name of creating a better bracket. And I am okay with this. So at number six is TCU. The Horned Frogs have a better resume than A&M. They've beaten and lost to every uh, Big 12 opponent. Plus, they were the Big 12 runner-up now, and that shows that they are pretty good. Now, down at number seven is Fresno State. The Bulldogs had a good season. They defeated TCU and Baylor in the regular season, but then they uh, lost to Oklahoma State, SMU, and UC Davis in the regular season. Then, when they got into the Big 12 tournament, they got destroyed by TCU and then lost kind of badly to Baylor in the consolation meet. 
So at number eight is Baylor. Now the Bears beat TCU in the regular season and they trounced Fresno State in the uh, Big 12 consolation meet and then they lost pretty much all their other meets. But still, I had uh, Baylor ahead of Fresno State in my rankings because I think they demonstrated that they are better than the Bulldogs last week. But the NCAA really likes Fresno State. And um, I'm going to just tell you that the only reason Fresno State has any conference wins is because all season long, every time they rode in a Big 12 meet, it was four riders going against four riders. And they did this to conserve on the number of horses needed. But when they got to the Big 12 tournament, they had enough horses to do five on five. And you could see that Fresno State is not as good as everyone else in the conference when you get to five on five. But here's the thing. The NCEA tournament is also four on four, or at least it has been in the past. Now, they could change it this year, but I haven't seen anything that indicates they're going to do that. So we're just going to assume that it's four on four. So in that case, yes, Fresno State is probably slightly better than uh, Baylor. Uh, and so I think that the NCAA kind of accidentally got the seating correct here, but they didn't. They really didn't deserve to, but they did. And what that does is it means that Auburn will truly face um, the lesser opponent, which is Baylor. And Oklahoma State is going to have to play the opponent that is a little bit better when you consider how they do in four-on-four meets. So now um, they also ranked teams that aren't going to the tournament that what they're calling are uh, potential uh, fill-ins in case we have a team that gets uh, that loses out on their postseason opportunity because of COVID and uh, contact tracing. So they have a list of replacement teams that would uh, take over in those cases. And those are in order, South Carolina, then Delaware State, then UT Martin, and then South Dakota State. Now, UC Davis is not in that list, and I'm assuming that they just opted out. And if you'll remember that they had real trouble scheduling meets and stuff, and so I think for them, they just said, you know what, we're done. This is fine. So those are the matchups. Now, I'm going to go into a lot of detail next week, but right now, I'm just going to give you the highlights of what I really like about this bracket. First, I like that Auburn and Georgia are on different sides of the bracket. I think Georgia uh, has the potential to really create some havoc in this tournament, and I'd like to see how um, teams like TCU and Oklahoma State deal with Georgia. So I'm glad they're on that side of the bracket. Now, uh, Auburn gets Baylor to start out with. I think this is a good matchup for Auburn. Baylor has a handful of good riders, and they'll probably get some points from Auburn, but I think it's a nice first meet for Auburn to begin with in the tournament. SMU versus Texas A&M should be a really good matchup. I think Texas A&M could pull the upset here, um, but if they don't, I like Auburn's chances against the Mustangs in the second round. Uh, Georgia versus TCU in the first round should be a really good matchup. I expect Georgia to win that, but TCU will be tough for them. And if the Bulldogs do advance, I kind of like their chances against Oklahoma State. I think we could see Georgia upset the Cowgirls and produce another all-SEC final between, you know, Auburn and Georgia. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Like I said, I'll do a, an in-depth break in, breakdown of each team's strengths and weaknesses, and I'll tell you which ones tend to benefit when we go from five riders down to four riders in each event. Now, also, the NCAA uh, is, is holding a single-discipline national championship tournament and it's only got two teams. I originally thought it was going to be three teams, but uh, they decided just to do a single uh, championship meet, and that's going to involve number one, Sweetbriar, and number two, Lynchburg. And this is actually going to be a rematch from the regular season meet that they rode against each other at Auburn. So, But this time it's for the single discipline national championship. So there you go. So, with the national championship approaching, I wanted to take a step back 
and just consider how I cover the sport and the postseason. So rather than just have me talk to myself as I usually do, um, I thought I would bring in an expert, um, a guest on the subject of uh, sports journalism. So I asked a friend of mine, John Carvalho, to step in for a quick chat. Now, John is a professor of journalism at Auburn University, and he specializes in sports journalism. Hello, John, and welcome to War Horses. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Now, uh, John, uh, I get a sense that uh, you've been around the block uh, a time or two in sports journalism. Uh, Is that correct? Well, uh, I guess you could say that. Uh, I started out in newspaper sports reporting, uh, moved on to magazines for a while, and then uh, got into teaching journalism, uh, mainly sports journalism. So, sure. Now, what, with uh, your experience of your students, what do you think are some of the main motivating factors that a person gets into sports journalism? Well, a lot of times a student will tell me that they go into sports journalism or sports media of some form because they love sports. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a good start, but I definitely don't think that's enough to take it all the way through. So what else makes uh, the perfect sports reporter? Well, to me, and and I think I'm working from my own motivation a lot, you've got to love the process of writing and of communicating to an audience. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to be a sports journalist, uh, it's not just that you love sports. It's that you love communicating to a sports audience and are willing to do the things that help you and make you a better communicator for, for the sports audience. Okay. Well, I think one of the things in my case in particular are that uh, that I have going for me is that this is a, at least I think, a very underserved um, uh, niche in college athletics. I feel like, you know, there just aren't a lot of people reporting and writing and particularly giving analysis of college equestrian. You know, these are stories, these are events of, of note and merit, and nobody is really talking about them, or at least not talking about them in a way that I think the casual sports fan wants to get that information. And so that's really why I got into this, it was not so much to, you know, be a, a media mogul someday. It's really just to sort of spread the word of something that I felt like wasn't getting out there enough. And that's the case with a lot of niche sports, and that's something that even you'll see at the college level, that there are certain sports that um, serve an audience that may be more committed to that than uh, the population as a whole. Obviously, sports like football and basketball are always going to dominate. But on the college level, you'll have uh, sports like not only equestrian, but I think of uh, college wrestling. Mm -hmm. I think of uh, fencing, uh, volleyball that draw a, a, a very interested audience. Mm-hmm. And so there's an audience that, that's interested that, that you, can, you can reach with Auburn, where Auburn having the success that they've had in equestrian certainly draws the attention mm-hmm. of a lot of people. It's just hard to transform that attention into interest and engagement. Well, okay. So let's get into more detail with on that specific uh, issue then because recently I've I've had sort of a revelation in the last 2 months really. 
because one of the things I've started doing is um, during the meet, I'll tell people, okay, you know, this rider here, we expect, uh, you know, her to get that point in this head-to-head or this one on the other team, that favors her. Uh, These two riders are so close, it's a toss-up. And I really think that I'm onto something with that. It gives the casual fan who doesn't know anything about College Equestrian a frame of reference of what is expected. So hearing that, what's your impression of that theory that I have? Well, I think one of the things that, as you were describing it, I think is an important part of of what you do and, and the service that you can provide is actually an explanation of the sport to the viewer. We might have thought that they would just ride for show for 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 judging and that that would be it. But it would be kind of like gymnastics, which is not done head-to-head, so to speak, because mm-hmm. they all do their thing in, in different parts. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there's a, a competition there is is definitely uh, something that people might be interested to see, especially when it's Auburn competing against another school. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so you're right, and it is very different from um, uh, many other sports that do judging, judge sports like that. Uh, but but I think that even with like, let's say you were a fan who's gone to a meet and you, you you're aware of that, just hearing these names, you're not necessarily going to know. Well, how good is that girl? Do I truly think this Auburn rider is supposed to beat this girl for Georgia or South Carolina or whomever? So I think that's the other part of what I of what I do with the analysis is I set the stage and I say, look, we expect this girl to get her point against that girl. So I think it really helped the the audience to say, oh, okay, now I get it. I understand how dominant Auburn is. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, that, you know, informing people about just expectations? I I think um, what interests me about about that model is it kind of shows that that in your case, people have different levels of engagement with the sport. Mm -hmm. To the beginner, uh, to the person who's just getting interested in it, they're still learning about the sport. But every sport has its fans. And again, getting back to more like the wrestling model, Mm -hmm. um, that head-to-head, even though those names may not be familiar to all of the school's fans, those names are familiar to the, the sports fans and especially to the Auburn fans. So there's that. The other side of it that I think can can uh, engage even the more casual fan is that in predicting the outcome of matches, you're also predicting the outcome of the meet. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to something like Auburn, whether it's facing one of its toughest rivals or whether it's in the conference meet, mm-hmm. uh, conference championships, or in the national championships, then people do have an interest as to whether they're, they're going to win, whether they're going to repeat as national champions. The mm-hmm. other side of it is, and this is always the issue with sports uh, and with any kind of media content, the way that people vote or, or show their support for a concept like that is with their attention. And so uh, in terms of, of success, you're always challenged to demonstrate the size of your audience mm-hmm. and signs of its involvement. Okay. So, yeah, and if I release it through, you know, Twitter, I would have analytics that would show, okay, we've got so much engagement with these videos. The ones where I'm not doing the analysis, maybe the engagement is a different level. And so that would be that, that way of, of understanding, oh, okay, it is actually providing a service because there is attention that has been directed towards these videos. Yeah, 
And one thing I'll tell you, and this is one place where the research, academic research, when we talk about broadcasting, we don't so much talk about impressive numbers and the money. Instead, we talk about the, con the concept of suspense. That one of the reasons why sports is so popular on television is that it provides a, um, and, 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 and any broadcast mode, even live, is that mm -hmm. it provides an element of suspense. And, and suspense in this case is defined as an uncertain outcome that'll be pleasant or unpleasant to the viewer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in essence, you know, when, you, when you're talking about those things and, you're, and, and a match is upcoming, and if it's an important match, and if it's an important match within a competition, then, yeah, the element of suspense, the threat to Auburn's winning streak, to its, its uh, stature within the sport, that's something that can uh, get the audience's engagement in, in a way that, that other things won't, you know. Like we talk about when now, to compare to football, like when mm -hmm. Auburn is, is playing Georgia as compared to when Auburn is playing, no insult intended, Mercer, obviously there's a different level of suspense. Mm -hmm. But the viewers will tell you that they enjoy watching a suspenseful game more than they enjoy watching a route hmm. because the suspense adds a, an engagement and, and a, um, a shared engagement with other people. Ah, I yeah. see. I think I see what you're getting at. So, like, let's say I look at the, you know, I, I pre-look at everything and I see, oh, okay, well, you know, we're, we're probably going to take about 12 of these 20 matchups and then maybe, you know, they're going to take another five. And so then there's three that are, are toss-ups. And so maybe I make sure that I really kind of, you know, highlight those toss-ups because that is where the suspense is. Even though the overall question of is Auburn going to beat this opponent is probably already been answered, it's more savvy to say, well, here's what would interest the viewer the most is to really highlight those toss-ups because those have the tendency to really pique people's interest and draw them in and, and, and get them more engaged. Yeah, and realistically, I mean, um, you know, it, it could be that if, if they went in a different direction, it, it could be uh, more threatening to, to Auburn's success, you know, and, and, and more important than that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because, yeah, um, one of the things that I have, have also noticed is that the vast majority, and I mean vast majority, of everything that is being written and put out about this sport is coming from a source that is employed by one of the schools or by the league itself. The, the downside of that means that in an issue where, say, you know, we don't know who's going to win this matchup between our rider and their rider, the, the Auburn person who's doing that writing, they're never going to be able to say that. They're never going to be able to say, oh, you know what? We could lose this matchup right here. Or if it's one where we really expect Georgia to, to you know, their rider to beat our rider, there's no way that they would say, oh, that Auburn rider, yeah, she's probably going to lose that point it's because that's, that's not their job. You know, they're prevented from saying that. Whereas I, as an independent source, I can tell people that. I think there's something there that, you know, I think I'm on to something there. This, the, the fact that there's opportunity because so much of what's being written and presented about the sport is coming from the schools themselves. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what opportunity do I have here? 
Well, I think you have the same opportunity that writers for local newspapers and for local sites like uh, Auburn 24-7 and Inside the Auburn Tigers has. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, your your audience is going to be people who are fans of the school and of the sport, specifically of the school's participation in that sport. Mm-hmm. And so they have that, what we call a disposition toward the program that would draw them to the school's information. On the other hand, they're interested in knowing what really is going to happen and can happen and to discuss that. And even though the school itself might not provide that information and the school doesn't isn't expected to provide that information, they know they can get that information from someone else. Mm-hmm. So definitely the, the fans, even though they may support the school and its efforts, they know that, that, that they want that straight information and that they're willing to search for it and to access it. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcast, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. So let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about me, my image, how I come off, and how could you even begin to classify what I am and what I do. Uh, now, I'm, I'm half joking with some of that. Uh, recently, with COVID, there's been a lot of restrictions as to who can go into some of these meets. And so I originally had some issues trying to get to uh, a Georgia meet that Auburn was going to be at back in the fall. I applied for media credentials. I was told, well, you're seen as a... Um, a, a blogger or you have a, a podcaster, but we don't know, we don't give media credentials to those, so we're going to deny your request. And so this time around, when Georgia was with them hosting the uh, Equestrian, the SEC Championship, I again applied, um, but I never heard a response back. So what are your thoughts on how, how should I go about presenting myself when I am making those requests for access that will give me the one that will be honest and fair, but also that will give me the best chance of, of getting in, of getting that media access. Well, part of it involves, like you were saying, part of the COVID uh, overturned a lot of that with all sports, mm-hmm. even major, major outlets were having trouble getting access and would have to watch things on television to write about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that. And, and the hope is that as things begin to open up again, that the access will be increased. But one of the things I, I tell my, my students when they're, when they're trying to get access to do interviews or to cover things, one of the things that you do is you establish the credibility 
of your information. And so it used to be that uh, when I would be when I was in magazine work and uh, in the 80s, and we were a smaller magazine, we were a newer magazine. I would send samples. We would do our interview requests not only by phone but by mail, and I would send ahead by mail. I guess today I do them as attachments. Samples of what I had put out in our magazine did to these uh, major sports teams and colleges. And I would say, hey, here's our magazine. We'd like to do an, an article on one of your athletes. Uh, would you help us make contact with that person? Or sometimes it was directly to the athlete going through the team. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that you uh, or anyone in, in your situation, as you produce content, and then you would use that content to sell uh, what you're doing to those various outlets and say, here's what I do, and I'd like access I'd like credentials for the next competition. Now, what you said with bloggers having a tougher time, mm-hmm. that's true. And what I'm amazed at, okay, and, and, and there, not so much, not so much with equestrians, so at least you, you don't as much have to put up with this, or maybe you do, uh, but in, particularly in football, um, you'll see some discussions on Twitter where somewhere, uh, uh, a local, maybe a smaller newspaper or radio station is very angry, and they'll write and they'll say, Oh, my goodness, they turned me down, but they gave a blogger a seat in the press box. And so uh, I'm, I'm not so much concerned uh, as, as which one was more deserving. I just find that competition and that rivalry between uh, the established media and, and the newer media to be interesting. I don't know if that exists in, in equestrian. I I – I don't think it does, at least not yet. I mean, honestly, I I find it hard to believe that there were a ton of media requests to go to the SEC Equestrian uh, Championship. I, I really just don't. I think what it I think obviously the internal staff of all the schools, the the sports information directors, their photographers, and you know assistants or writers. I think they were all granted because they're typically who would request. And then maybe the local paper might send somebody uh, on championship day, probably not even on a, on the Friday beforehand. And I think that's probably it. I like you could, I, I would be shocked if, if the number went higher than one hand of independent people requesting access. So yeah, when we talk about competition, I lost out to, to nothing. <laughs> So when I didn't yeah. get granted access, I it wasn't that I'm complaining about local paper. I'm complaining about that, you know, no one, no one got access over me. Well, uh. and, and I think I think there what you're dealing with is a situation that, that obviously what you're doing is something that not a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where um, not only your, um, like I mentioned before, the samples of what you produce as showing that, that you're serious about this, mm-hmm. um, but maybe also any indications that you have of uh, the audience, in essence, that what they're doing is they're helping you not just to watch a meet, not just to be at a meet, mm-hmm. but to then convey that meet to interested people who can't be there, which is the whole point of sports media. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think that's, that's part of what you can be communicating, and again, like I said, this is a broader. Anybody can be communicating to these these uh, sports information offices or these folks who are granting credentials. All right. Well, you know, let's let's transition now into. Um, uh, I sent you before this interview. 
I sent you a, um, a, a PDF document that sort of summarizes my experience covering this sport. And this is what I sent, what I, what I sent you is what I sent to Georgia. Okay. Can we talk through that? If you have it in front of you, can we go through that a little bit and just get your impressions on that? Now, obviously, the listeners don't know what I'm, what John is looking at. So I'll describe it a little bit when we talk about certain elements. So, but yeah, John, so what's your impression of uh, this document I sent you? Yeah, I I like it because uh, mainly uh, I think it did. uh, And and I should have mentioned that it does a great job of, uh, of conveying that. And I noticed too, that it gives uh, links to, uh, to, to everything so so they can they can look at you know look look it up themselves mm-hmm. um, yeah no I, I think it's, it does a very good job of selling what you do okay well let me describe it really quickly so what we've got here is there's a one-page PDF document Adobe Acrobat document so at the first part of it it's basically divided into two columns um, two-thirds of the document is the left-hand column and then there's a skinnier column to the right now if most of the information is in that left-hand column but down that right-hand side I've got basically uh, little screen captures of tweets that my listeners and people who love me have sent me over time just commenting on things about you know I felt more a part of it with your help thanks again um, thank you for trying to explain equestrian to me so basically responses from my wonderful listeners and readers just talking about oh okay you you add something to it and then on the left hand side basically I broke it down into well first I start with a descriptive paragraph just talking about my real name which I won't reveal here but that I work under the persona of Auburn Elvis and that I do unique uh, equestrian analysis and then I list you know my Twitter or I show a, an example of two videos where I'm doing um, analysis and predicting the uh, who's favored in some neat and some head-to-head rides and then I list the uh, podcast that I do that you are listening to right now, dear le- or listener. And then I have uh, some of my writing examples where I do the rankings blogs, and I've also written a, um, a season recap uh, for the Plaid Horse magazine. So, so your impression of this is that uh, overall you think this is professional? I mean, because it is kind of graphical, and I do throw some icons in there an Elvis icon, you know, but you don't think that detracts from it? You think this is generally professional? Well, that's, that's the only difficult thing, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's rather awkward to address at this point, is that typically you don't have a journalist adopting a persona mm-hmm. while doing their job, and it's, it's a unique situation. I, I think you can, I think you can, when I say overcome it, I don't quite want to make it sound like that much of a negative Mm-hmm. But I think you can you can work around that, you know. And I, as I was thinking about that beforehand, so you don't think thinking, Stephen A. Smith is a persona? You think he's a real person? Well, he, I mean, <laughs> but, but I mean, he I mean he 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 goes by that name. You yes, know, but was, I mean, Fine Bomb. Uh, you you think you you don't think he hams it up a little bit for the for oh, the camera? He definitely, he definitely does. But at one point, you know, he was a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer named Stephen uh-huh. A. Smith. Um, so, so, so that, yeah, I mean, oh, for goodness sakes, don't get me started on uh, <laughs> caricatures. That I've broadcast. read some of what, yeah, so I, I yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So but, is wearing an, an Elvis costume any worse than some of the caricatures that we see of like a Clay Travis and all of those? I tell you when they're, and, and, and when you're dealing with information in, in you know, 
kind of with the meat and potatoes of what they do, even that's that's the real tragedy of it. I think personally, I would suggest there there are 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 two ways that that you can um, work with that. Mm-hmm. One of them is, and and you do you acknowledge it. You know, you're 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 um, you're saying this is who I am. But in essence, you you draw, and and even what you're saying right now, you draw a contrast. You know, it's like, but this is serious. Stuff you, know, you you sometimes you, you got you can't just say two plus two to your audience. You have to point out what I'm adding up to here is the number four. I'm mm-hmm. saying that I'm giving good information. Another thing that that would help you here, I would suggest again for anybody else, and it's the same idea with why we send out information beforehand is endorsements. Um, and and I would guess. Uh, you have at least an acquaintance with Greg Williams and with his assistant coaches, uh-huh. and um, they can give endorsements to these other people and say, you know, yeah, I know Auburn Elvis, and uh, I know that he does good information. He is a credible member of the media. It would be another thing if you only were doing this so you could um, show up and clown, and you don't, obviously, you don't, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and they right. are, the example I think we have there is uh, the barstool guy who have who the only the only way that they're like you <laughs> is that some of them don't give their real name. Mm-hmm. That's because they clown, they um, they insult, they yeah. They insult, yeah, it's it's part of um, it's it's not it's not respect for their content. It's uh, more of a self promotion thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, in essence, what, what you're doing is is you're giving, and sometimes, like I was saying, um, you need to point that out to people that that you know this is serious stuff. This isn't you know this isn't just this isn't a means to an end. This is the end. It is okay. your interest in equestrian? So, and and I think again, the coaches can help with that. Um, if you've made acquaintances with um, the the more the more national niche publications that every sport has mm-hmm. that can also so give you endorsements. Yeah, see down the side the 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 tweets that you provide give an endorsement there uh, from audience members. If you can get that get similar something of similar tone, uh, like I said, from coaches even opposing coaches. Oh yeah, I'm I'm followed there. by several coaches uh, that have tweeted and said, you know, this is great. Etc. So you're saying yeah, maybe look for I, one or two of those. Okay. Yeah. You know, think about it. It's almost like a book. When you see on a book in the back, you see those little blurbs that, that mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh, what a wonderful analysis, so and so. And and people will see the name, and then that means something to to what they're saying. I think you've got uh, individuals who are also uh, have a, a stake in promoting the sport who uh, would work with you on that, and 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 help these other folks to see that what you're going to do is going to be good and good for the sport, and they agree, and they agree that the Mm -hmm. folks that you're contacting should help you with it. Well, uh, let's see. Wow, okay, you got me excited. Because, see, when I sent this off and I heard nothing back, uh, it it was like, oh, my gosh, was this completely unprofessional? Did I mess this up? Because I'm not a journalism major. You know, I'm a business major. And so a lot of these, I I attack these as more of a, problem-solving type thing, because, you know, that's how I learned it 
and that's, you know, what I do daily in, in my real job. So, you know, I didn't know, is there something I've, is there some media faux pas I have committed or is there something I've forgotten that I didn't know about that, you know, if I had been a journalist that would, I would have known it somehow magically. Um, but from what I'm hearing, I, you know, some general professional business etiquette rules apply across the board, whether it's working with business people, whether it's working with media type, it's, there are certain things you do. And as long as you're doing that, you come up and doing it in a professional way, it's not so important that I don't have a journalism major behind me, you know, or a diploma on my wall. And in fact, a lot of these entrepreneurial um, uh, sports journalism projects are done by people who didn't major in journalism but wanted to do it and do it on the side, and that becomes their – that's where they focus that. The flip side of it is, uh, I, I realize that one of the things I'm teaching my students is how to approach such people and how in presenting themselves and in presenting their opportunities and in letting them know that if you're going to get someone to agree to an interview with you, you've got to um, show them that what you're going to do is something that will tell their story um, to, to the greater audience, you know. And, okay. And, and, and the same thing goes with you, but obviously – but. That the difference being that from professional experience and and that you understand also like you were saying what you're doing in terms of communicating with people in a in a, in a uh, constructive way that that helps them see what you're doing. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. So basically, after this interview, I'm going to be uh, approaching. Um, uh, someone in, uh, since Baylor is the host school of the national championship, uh, tournament, mm-hmm. I'm going to be approaching someone at Baylor. And so my hope is that I will have more success there than perhaps I had over at Georgia. So, uh, so we'll see how that goes, but I'm definitely going to take a lot of, of, of your advice here and maybe refine what I've, I've already done, uh, this document a little bit and, uh, probably follow it up with a phone call and just sort of try to convey verbally some of what, you know, we're talking about here, just the value of what I offer and things like that. So, so yeah. Um, but before we go, I do want to sort of, um, I guess, share a story with you and with my listeners, because I sort of alluded to this. Um, so, yes, I did not get media permission to, I didn't get credentials to go to the SEC tournament last week. Now, I, I went. And uh, it was closed to the general public. You had to be on a list. Uh, basically, it was parents and family members, and so there would be this list. So, you know, when you're talking about the SEC equestrian tournament, it's not the same as the men's basketball or a bowl game in football where there's, you know, tickets being sold and legitimate security where they're checking IDs and stuff. I knew they weren't going to be checking IDs at this thing. Probably going to be some person with a clipboard at the gate. So that first day on February on Friday, I sort of roll up. I'm in a line with other cars, and you know the lady is there, and I'm like, "Hey, this is where the parents are supposed to go, right?" And she's like, "Yep." And I just boom, zoom right on in, you know. And I'm in the thing at that point. Now. What's really interesting is the next day, with it being championship and all, I guess the security was a little bit tighter. So when I arrived on Saturday, I rolled down the window. The lady is there, and and I can tell just from her demeanor, you know, she's going to be more thorough. So she asked me, name, please. And I'll tell you, Auburn has a writer 
whose last name is Pardon, okay? Her name is Madison Pardon. And uh, so when she asks name, I say Pardon. Now, uh, their name is P-A-R-D-U-H-N. Now, if I was saying P-A-R-D-O-N, like asking, excuse me, it's not my fault if that lady misheard me and thought I was saying the last name of the parents of one of our writers. And so she looks at her clipboard. Yep. Okay. You can go on in. And then boom, I'm in. So funny little story. Thanks to Jeff and Monica being named Pardon. I was able to get right on into the SEC championship. Oh my goodness! I I, uh, I tell you that in, in terms of covering things, I'll just simply say, uh, you know, it's it's a challenge sometimes to get in even to things, more serious events, more serious uh, news stories, and, and everything. So you just learn learn to do uh, what you can do, you know, obviously without doing anything that would disrupt or anything like that. You know? Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. do something yeah. illegal. Right. Right. So, yeah, I kind of snuck in and, and, you know, was able to play off of a uh, miscommunication. So, that's funny. I mean, you're not, again, it's not like you're going in there to to clown, you know, like Borat, you know, to clown, to jump down (laughs) and start singing, you know. Oh, right. And And also, I'm guessing you you were not. Um, I, I was not in costume for most of yeah, it. You're in, it, incognito. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I was a, an investigative uh, uh, undercover reporter for most of it. And, and I guess my question is, like, when you go, if if you were to be granted credentials, this is an interesting thing, and and it's mm-hmm. an interesting thing to cover on a podcast. If you were granted credentials, would you have then gone in costume? Yes, I would have, uh, because when I go to a meet now, you know, at Auburn, there, there was no restriction on uh, uh, having to be a parent or anything like that. So what I do at Auburn is how I would treat it anywhere. And, and I go in costume, and I have this um, tripod with a, a board on it with uh, names that I can slide in and out, and I've got magnets on it, and I can put these little emoji magnets. I have tigers and then whatever their mascot is, I have an emoji for that. And I slap them up there for each one of them. And then I have the camera, either I'm holding it or it's on a tripod as well. And I do my little bit, and I say, okay, we're, we're here live at the Auburn Equestrian Meet, or it would have been the you know SEC Championship. And, you know, let we've got equitation on the flat coming up. Let's look and see who's favored. And I'll run down there, and I'll say, okay, you know, Auburn this, Georgia there, this one's a toss-up. And that's what I do. And so I would do that exact same thing, uh, you know, no matter where. I'm not out there leading cheers and all that you know, in between the meets and the rides, I'm just watching the rides and watching what's going on and trying to, you know, keep up with scores. And did we get that point? Did we get upset? And that's exactly how I would be at any of the events. The wearing the costume is fun and I get noticed, but I draw attention and I think I'm able to sort of, you know, swing that attention more onto the sport by me being in the costume. But frankly, you know, if Georgia had said, hey, we'll let you in if you promise not to wear the costume, then I would have gone without the costume because uh, – and what I ended up doing is I went without the costume, had the costume in my car, and I ran back into into the car, sat in the car, put the costume on, and did my video updates from inside my car. And that's how I handled it. 
See, because I yeah, and that's that's again part of it was was kind of what I was thinking through in terms of actually covering an event, just covering it. Mm-hmm. You can do that out of costume, but yeah, there there's a, a visual sense to it to your reporting, and I can I can see the complication that uh, that that would be where where and, and where you'd have to do that uh, back and forth like you you were saying. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's kind kind of kind of a learning learning experience uh for me as well figuring out how you do what you do yeah well yeah and i'm sure the listeners were were kind of wondering why why so many of my videos were inside my car <laughs> and it's because right. i didn't want to get kicked out <laughs> right I, man you've given me so much to think about and so much advice i really appreciate it john um so uh, as we close out, like, how can people keep up with you? I know that you're sort of you're going to be changing careers. You're going to be retiring here per, pretty soon. Yeah, I'm going to be retiring. Um, I'll continue. I, I and, and hopefully I'll have more time. I have a, a a blog of my own called the Sports Page. Uh, that's uh, the the URL is just JohnCarvalhoSports.com. I try to do commentary on. Uh, on on Twitter and people can can link to me there and then I'll link to anything that I write. But um, yeah, once uh, once I step back from teaching at the end of this semester and step back from faculty, yeah, I'll be continuing that stuff because uh, it was it's been a joy these, all these years to be involved so deeply in in uh, my passion, which is not only uh, communicating to an audience but communicating about such an important cultural uh, component as sports. That uh, it's not something that's going to go away once I stop. It's not like the day after I'm going to be like, thank goodness I was sick of that. No, it's, <laughs> to me, it's, it's still one of the most interesting things to uh, to study. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate uh, all your your words of wisdom and and uh, the help you've given me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on uh, on War Horses today. I enjoyed it. All right. You know, I am really excited that I got to have that discussion with John. There are definitely some tweaks that I'm going to make to my coverage of the national championship having talked to him now. Also, I think I'm going to make some changes as to uh, how I apply for my media pass this year's tournament, and I'm going to keep everybody posted on that saga as well. Now, let's talk about awards. Now that the regular season is over, the NCA has announced its All-American lists. In fences, Auburn's Taylor St. Jacques was recognized as a first-team All-American. Her teammate Emma Kurtz was a second-team All-American. And Megan Knappick and Michaela Langmire were honorable mentions in fences as well. Now, on the flat, St. Jacques also received a first-team All-American award, with Langmire receiving a second-team All-American award. Over in horsemanship, Auburn's Taylor Searles and Olivia Tordoff both received first-team All-American awards, and Deanna Green took a second-team All-American, and Maddie Spack received an honorable mention award. And over in reigning, Auburn's Boo Camerer was named a first-team All-American in this event. So congratulations to those Auburn riders and to all of this year's All-Americans. So that's it for our show this week. As I said, I will be putting together a comprehensive rundown of each of the national championship teams in the next episode, so look for that. Also, I will keep you posted here if there have been any new developments on my quest for media access to the tournament. Fingers crossed. Uh, I really hate to kind of sneak around and do another bunch of videos from my car, so I hope that doesn't happen to happen. So, But we'll see. I'm willing to do anything. Uh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, before we go. 
I want to put in another word, a serious word here to any equestrian riders who may be listening. Please, please keep taking the necessary precautions about COVID. We've just seen Auburn's gymnastics team lose out on their entire postseason because of some positive results in contact tracing. And I I know y'all do really well in the practices and all of that, but you have to be vigilant in every part of your lives right now for at least the next two weeks. And it's not just the positive results that knocks out the whole team. It's the contact tracing. So spending an extended period of time with other people without a mask on, that counts towards the contact tracing formula, even if you don't end up getting infected. So please keep that in mind. The goal here is not to just not get infected, but it's also not to trigger any quarantines from contact tracing. So please keep doing the necessary things to avoid triggering those contact tracing protocols. Uh, Everybody has worked so hard to make it to the postseason. Please don't knock yourselves out when you are this close. So, this has been another episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?